0: This is the end of Holy Moly Season 3, my friends, on the podcast. My name is Tom, and you know me also as Mr. T, and probably not a very good singer, but I also just became a two-time second-place winner at the miniest mini golf open. I'm half of a couple of putts, a season one, holy moly contestant, and will be competing in my first ever masters of mini golf next week. You can find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and my wife, the pink putter at a couple
1: and on social media at couple putts. And I'm Pat, but the mini golf world, including fans of holy moly, know me better as the putting penguin. Together with my friend Mandy, we run the Putting Penguin website and social media channels. Recently, I was lucky enough to notch my 8th tournament win of my career, finally winning my own tournament, the Matterhorn International Pro-Am. I'm also looking forward to the Masters next week, hitting the mini-links with Tom and several other past Holy Moly contestants. And as Tom alluded to, tonight we're here to celebrate the end of season three. Going to take a look back briefly at the season finale and talk a little bit with a special guest. But that's not all you're going to hear from us on Holy Moly or mini golf in general, as we've got plenty of topics lined up as we move into the fall here in the United States. So if you haven't already, subscribe to us and give us an ace of a rating. But before we get into all that, we're going to talk a little mini golf news. I'm going to turn it over to Tom.
0: And as I mentioned earlier, we just completed, as a couple of putts, our miniest mini golf open. It's our second annual tournament now at Lilliput in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. And I put up a recap at a slash open that includes some photos from our qualifying rounds, which we had 57 of them, as well as the 14 people that competed for the championship. I was fortunate to come in second. And I say that because I tied my own personal best on the course with a 52 to come in second. Meanwhile, our champion Sean Brown had a 20 under par 46 course record in a single round championship. If that's not impressive, I don't know what is. He's one of the best walkabout VR mini golf players in the world. And... I feel fortunate to have someone in town like that that's a very generous spirit as well as an incredible putter to keep me on my toes and is a really great person.
1: So congrats to Sean on winning our tournament. That is absolutely unbelievable. Always great when you can set a course record during a tournament and hey, hopefully we'll see him out at some other tournaments because I'd like to get some rounds in with him. He talked about the Masters next year. Ooh. All right. See him there. And speaking of the masters, towards the end of this episode, we're going to give a little preview of this year's masters, which will be happening this coming October 7th, 8th, and 9th, which will also coincide with the first mighty Minotaur miniature golf tournament at Mount Atlanticus, also in Myrtle beach. So we're going to have a similar format to Tom's Minius open. Where on October 8th and 9th, you can play your playoff or your qualifying rounds and with the attempt to get into the top eight scores, which we're going to bring back the evening October 9th for a nine-hole scramble to the finish to see who's going to be the winner of that first tournament. So you can find more information over at a couple of putts.com backslash mighty minotaur, or you can also find it on our Facebook pages, Instagram, where we'll send out some more of that information in the coming week. Now we're gonna circle it back to Holy Moly. So a couple brief reminders on how season three worked in general. So each episode, we saw eight competitors going head to head in a bracket one hole tournament with each match held on a different hole. Each of the nine episode winners, a Gold Putter, the green plaid jacket and a place in the season finale where they were trying to putt their way to a cool quarter of a million dollars. So teeing that up, we're going to run pretty quickly through how the finale played out. And it started off with the first round of three threesomes. So we had hole number two, which was played by Rachel, Jack, and Cindy. Rachel was the winner of that one and moved on to the semifinal. The second hole was the pecker where we saw Biggie, Todd, and Tyler. And Tyler took the win there to take the second spot in the semifinal. And then the third one was Cornhole, which featured Ben, Jose, and Blake. And Jose won that one. So in the semifinal, we had Rachel, Tyler, and Jose, who were all playing Fishing Hole. And the way this was going to work was two of the three were going to go to the final, so he didn't want to be the odd man out. Unfortunately, due to a slightly bad putt on the first one, Jose found himself in a rough position and became the odd man out. So we were left with Rachel and Tyler playing the amazingly named Parfish Dutch. And we'll get into more of it when we do a later recap episode of the entire season. But if for some reason you haven't seen it, it was a combination of parkade, Fishing Hole, and Dutch Courage and Fuego. And definitely drama-filled, really had that tension of a good sporting event. And at the end of the day, Rachel just squeaked in with her last putt. And Tyler just missed his a little bit wide. And we had... Rachel as our winner, who's also going to be our guest for this episode. And full disclosure here, because I didn't bring it up on the interview part, which you'll listen to in a little bit, I did Rachel dirty and I had her really at the bottom of my power rankings and didn't give her nearly enough credit for how well she played the obstacles. And as you'll hear us discuss with her, she was really good at the obstacles in the finale and was really a key to her overall win.
0: I had her ranked a little bit higher, but I didn't know the obstacles would come into play nearly as much as they did. And there's a good reason that Rachel won through because she is a phenomenal athlete. And we're excited to welcome our season three Holy Moly finale winner, Rachel Lynch. Welcome, Rachel, to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, first off, congratulations. And second of all, how has the last week been since winning on Holy Moly in public that you can actually tell people you won?
2: Oh, it's been crazy. Like so many people have reached out, even people, I mean, tons of people that I don't even know. A lot of people from Minnesota, they're like, oh, we're so glad a local person won. A lot of people super excited to have uh, the first female winner. So it's it's been really cool.
0: That's awesome. And because you shared this on social media, and this was one of my first questions that I immediately had was, how were you able to keep it from your partner that whole time? And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, go to Rachel's social media and look at the video that she posted of her partner watching the episode, not knowing what happened. How did you keep it from him?
2: So he actually knew everything up until that point. So he knew I made it to the final two He knew I gave him like a play by play of how the hole went down. And I was like, you know, when I was leaving set that night, I was like, he knows everything. It would be really cool for me, probably not for him (laughs) if he didn't know how it ended and I could surprise him with it when it finally airs. So that night when I called him, you know, I was like four thirty in the morning. I was just leaving set and I had all this adrenaline and I just was like, okay. now I have to calm down and tell him that I lost.
0: <laughs> so, wait—you so yeah, told did- him that you actually lost.
2: Yes, so I, t- I gave him a play-by-play.
1: Oh, by that play.
2: so good. I gave him a play-by-play play of the entire hole, like everything that happened. But at the very end, and I said that I missed the putt and that Tyler made it, and I just whiffed and blew it and. That's what I told them.
0: (laughs) That is not what I expected. I thought that it would have been like, well, I got there and just going to try to keep a poker face. Because I, other than my partner, I tried not to tell any friends and family and did like a watch party. And I think people were just like surprised because they assumed that like I had one and I was like no I just kind of wanted to have this moment and then the way they edited it I was like eh, maybe this should have been just on my own but uh, but that is that is wild and impressive sort of as when we first had you on uh, you know I'd mentioned that I think with anybody who's been on the show there's a million things that you record and film, and you don't really get a lot of an opportunity for your story to be told. So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about you? We know you play rugby and that you played pro and you play college. But other than that, we don't know much about you other than you can really kick ass on Holy Moly. So tell us a little bit about you, Rachel. Tell us about who you are.
2: Yeah. So um, I was born and raised in Minnesota. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually just moved to Phoenix last year for my work. Um, I am an engineer for Anderson windows and we're, we built a new plant in Goodyear Phoenix area. Um, and so I moved down and then got a call to be on the show from a friend who recommended me, which is, um, pretty crazy actually. So I didn't even know about the show prior to getting a call. Um, so the, she just said that they were looking for more females to interview and then, they gave me a call and liked the rugby background and uh, then did the Zoom interview, as I know you guys are familiar with how how they do all of that to get the cast, and then they liked that um, rugby competitiveness and picked me for the show.
1: Was there a point where you actually went and watched the show if you weren't familiar with it at that point, like to see what you were getting yourself into because we didn't have that benefit being on season okay. one. We just had no idea what was coming at us.
2: Yeah, so after she has like, oh yeah, it's called the Holy moly. I you know, quickly googled it before the call and I was like, oh, that seems cool. Um, and then from there, I was like, I better start watching some of the previous episodes so that I know kind of get some strategy, see what I'm getting into. Um, And then my boyfriend is a big golfer. So after I found out I was going to be on the show, we spent hours at the putting green, um, just practicing putting. And that was all I did for the couple months leading up for it.
1: That's awesome.
0: Well, Pat kind of covered one of my questions, but I'm curious in your training, were there any holes that you had watched from previous seasons that you sort of were like, You had your sights on like, okay I'm going to approach it this way or you trained for like certain holes or were there just holes you were hoping to play?
2: So a little bit of both. So I really liked the um, ho 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 one or the uh, zip line. I was like, not many people made it. So it would kind of be fun to just like try it out and see if I could do it. So I was watching the guys who in the previous season had made it. And the ones that didn't, so in my head, I was like, okay, I think I would wrap it with my legs and then grab on and (laughs) trying to think through all of those things. So that's definitely the hole that I was kind of hoping I would get to play. Um, And then also everyone loves the windmills. So of course, some people get hit by them. So I was really hoping that I would get to do that one and luckily in the finale I got to do it.
0: That feels very fitting for a rugby player to want <laughs> to to go after uh those two holes. I can tell you from uh testing out and we've talked about it on Volcano the previous season that my opinion's on that one are is that I'm so glad I never had to do that like competitively on TV. If if you if you search online you can see a video of me eating it pretty badly on it. Uh it is it is a tad scary.
1: Uh, along those same lines, so you talk about like scoping out, because one of the things you have a very unique position besides being the only female winner of the, the major season was you played the same obstacle three times throughout your season. So I was wondering, I went back and kind of watched and you, had, you got a little bit screwed the first time with the the padding giving out under your foot but you, you know it took you out three different ways but I'm wondering as a competitive person did you the second time around look at it and go okay I tried it this way I'm gonna adjust my strategy this way and then the third time or was it just like all right well I'm gonna go for it. I think I can get it past because I'm you know, you're an incredibly fast person as I've as we've seen on the other uh obstacles but I'm wondering what your mindset was as they kept throwing those fish at you
2: man I biffed it <laughs> three times <laughs> I thought for sure one of the times I was going to figure it out, but the like path to run through is very narrow. And so my first time going, I was like, all right, I'm just going to sprint all out and see if I can make it across and time it just right. Obviously didn't make it second time I did it. I was thinking that's like, kind of the stop, go method, but it's like, once you get going and it's kind of hard to stop quickly and then you're getting hit with water. And then the third time, I'm pretty sure I just ran right into one of the fish. So (laughs) 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 in my head, it definitely was going to play out differently than it did.
0: I also thought Riggle could have made some jokes about the fact that you had to play that hole three times and that you're originally from Minnesota. There's some joke in there, 10,000 lakes, fishing opener, something like that. It just felt fitting. And I, I, I was—I t- sent a message to Pat, like it feels so fitting that a, a Minnesotan winner has to like go up against fishing hole three times.
2: Yeah, I thought he would have said something along those lines or even with the rugby background and like tackling the fish or getting in my case getting tackled by the fish but <laughs> but no they didn't make too many comments on it just the uh swear words a couple times well
1: <laughs> we, we've that. all been there having rewatched, you know for, for prepping for this do you feel that you were also somewhat lucky in terms of the holes that you got because most of your obstacles other than you know everything that was put together in the final and um you know riding in the horse were basically speed shots and you know you did extremely well on cornhole and, and hole number two but like did you ever sit there and go like oh wow this kind of played into my strengths because I know what I played and I got to play slip and putt and then distractor I was like whoo I didn't have to do anything with water I mean I didn't obviously win but I still felt lucky that right I wasn't doing volcano or something like that
2: yeah I definitely was happy to see when they actually brought us out to the hole what we were going to be doing because I was like, oh, I, I can do this straight, just run as fast as you can. Um, it definitely played into my strengths, um, but it's completely random, so you just never know what you're gonna get. Um, but I'm definitely glad that I got the sprinting ones for those, because it helped me out a lot. <laughs>
0: Were there any holes now that you've had the experience of watching this season? And while you didn't get to play Polcano or ho ho Hole, were there any other ones that you would have been curious, either morbidly or just genuinely interested in trying them out of the holes that were on this season that were unique and new?
2: The donut hole. That one to me looked like a lot of fun and you didn't fall into water. It was just a foam pit. So I was all for that. Um, so I really wish that I would have gotten a chance to do that one.
1: I would have loved to seen somebody get further than the first donut too. It like everybody <laughs> seemed to be able to get to that point, but it was like with holy matrimony, Tom and I are watching it going, I don't know how you get much further than, you know, the ring on that one at all the way they're set up and we never saw anybody do it. So we still don't know.
2: Yeah, I definitely, um, I was kind of surprised too that no one made it further than that. It, it looked hard, but maybe most obviously is way harder than it looked.
1: Well, that, that's how they goad people into being contestants next time, right? Like, oh, I can go do this. It's like the people who sign up to be on Deadliest Catch. You're like, well, what are you doing? You can't be a crab fisher.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, in, in your experience of watching it versus experiencing it, was there anything that you noticed like in the moment in playing it, you're like, I didn't even know that that was going on? Because it is such a weird visceral, like adrenaline fueled moment where you're like on TV and you're aware that millions of people are going to see this. Were there things watching it that you caught or were there things that they totally missed from your experience that you were surprised weren't there?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing that I noticed watching it versus actually being there is just how they edit and cut different shots it's like you think in your head exactly how it's going to play out because you saw it, but then how they edit it, they have all the different camera angles. And so having them interpret it differently than what you've had in your head was kind of interesting to see how they cut and edited the the whole. I mean, the outcome is always the, the same, but how they edit it, the whole is always interesting to see what they pick and choose to play.
1: And I guess along those lines, you know, talk, we can talk about the drama of the final hole a little bit because you know we were talking before we started recording you know clearly different than season two where they went from the the hole in one to this you know Frankenstein turducken of a hole as they called it in there but it had this like ebb and flow of almost like a sport match of you know Tyler was ahead you were ahead he he ended up with a you know kind of a bet lucky unlucky bounce but I guess just kind of walk us through like how did that whole thing play out was there a point in time where you're like Oh crap, he's gonna beat me. Were there a point in time like, oh no, I, I got this guy totally in my sights?
2: Oh yeah. So <laughs> the very first putt, you know, we we're pretty much the same. So didn't think too much of that. I was just glad he went in the water as well since we both missed it. Um I got super lucky that his shot going across the fish hit the fish. So that ended up giving him an extra stroke. And then of course my unlucky ball went in the corner. So that kind of right there, I was panicking a little bit. I was like, this is not a great position to be in. Um, so I kind of thought, I was like, he might have the advantage here and be able to get it out. And sure enough, his putt all oh, that went through the windmills that was awfully close. And then once he got hit by that second windmill, You know, they're telling you kind of where you're at with your putts. So I'm like, okay, I have to make it through both of these for us to be tied at the other side and give myself a fighting chance. So I think, you know, at that moment, you know, it's in your head that, you know, you have to make it through, but you kind of just tune that all out. And I think that my rugby side and playing sports kind of helped there where you don't really think about it. You just do it. Um, And so that was exciting to like make it through. I was almost more excited about that, (laughs) that I made it through. And that, you know, I knew we were going to be tied and to make it really exciting at the end that it could still be anyone's anyone's money.
1: Yeah, I know. Watched it when it went in the corner. And, and I don't know how much you had known of how Tyler had done in his holes, other than obviously the, the final that you had seen some of that. But like he had done very well on the obstacles. And when he got through the first one, like Tom said, yeah, you know, we didn't know exactly what was coming. So I was like, oh, man, this is going to be rough because most people get hit by the first one and get through the second one he did it the other way around And when that happened it was probably it was the same thing I was like all right and then i have to say kudos to you because that was a short putt to get out of the corner but you laid it dead center and having been like in a million mini golf tournaments, like that is not easy to do under that much pressure to put it and just to leave it, it not like, you know, continue on into the other corner.
2: Yes. I, I panicked a little bit before that shot, but I was like, you know, you just kind of have to collect yourself a little bit before you, before you go for it. But as you guys know, it's like completely silent out there too when you're putting. So all eyes on you.
0: Well, you all had it a little different than us because it wasn't totally silent with us. We had all these weirdos that were doing paid audience work. and had someone that was licking a full-scale picture of my face while I was trying to putt. And I was like, that was actually really calming because I was like, this is the re- most ridiculous thing I could be doing. I might be on drugs this is going to be okay. But I think the silence would be far more terrifying because there was what that handful of people that were really there watching. And otherwise this season, it was just you all in the set.
2: Yeah, it was completely silent when we were putting. So it was just, <sighs> you know, putt when ready and then mm-hmm. silence. <laughs> I was going
1: to say, I had the opposite because I played distractor. So it was anything but silent when I was putting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That is the one hole that I'm glad I did not do since there was no obstacle, no advantage for me there. Yeah.
1: See, that was the opposite way. I was like, oh, I can do this. I can sit. It was 15 feet at the time. So I'm giving myself the extra three feet of why I lost. But I was like that I can do. I can put I got young kids. I play with obstacles all the time, you know, distractions all the time when I'm out on the course and you know, ended up blowing it.
0: Yeah, and if it wasn't for a parkade, you would have completed all of your obstacles except for fishing hole (laughs) two. That one, I mean, so few people got past it. I mean, in general, with most of the obstacles, I think that's the thing. If you watch it like we did through the whole season, there's so few people that get through all of the obstacles completely, let alone multiple. I mean, maybe they'll like land and get one person landed on the pecker and got the plume. One person got through hole number two, and that was Tyler. You were only the second person to have gotten through cornhole all season maybe there was a third so yeah i mean kudos to you i mean those fish what i think it was two people including tyler and all when you played it beforehand had yeah. gotten through it so yeah that's impressive
2: thank you
1: so are you going to parlay this one into like more mini golf in the future and just wear the jacket every time you're out on the mini links
2: I hope so. I'm still uh, waiting for that jacket and putter to come in the mail, though. So once I do, then I can go showcase it.
0: <laughs> do you have any parting thoughts or feelings on your experience of Holy Moly?
2: Thoughts. Honestly, I was like, I was really excited for the experience. And it's not always what it seems. As you guys know, when you're on set, you're sitting around and you're you're cold because it's in the middle of March and the water is freezing. And so there's like so many things that go into the show. And overall though, it was just, it was such a cool experience. I know it's easy for me to say because I won. So obviously it's like super exciting, but just being able to like talk about the show and like knowing what goes into a show and like the behind the scenes factor of it, um, I think was awesome. And the, obviously the mini golf part of it, the obstacle part of it, I love being competitive. I love sports. So all of that was just a blast for me. Um, but I don't know, overall, I think it was such a cool experience as I'm sure you guys can attest to as well. Something you'll just never get to experience in your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I asked the question about like wearing out on the course because of you know, one of the things that you'll find, you know, cause even when we wear our stuff out there, it's just like, the kids love it and it's just such a cool feeling when the kids are like oh you did this and so you know we know some of the winners from season one who've had that happen or even you know biggie we're friends with and he's seen like everywhere he goes so i'm hoping for you that you get to, to parlay that a lot into a lot of f- fandom from the youth and sign some autographs
2: so i did go to a girls of golf phoenix event on friday um cory who was on the show as mm-hmm. well in episode two runs the girls of golf Phoenix program here. And so she invited me out to an event. And so we got to talk about the show. We got to talk to the girls and seeing them light up. They thought it was so cool that, you know, I was on the show and they got to meet me and Corey. And that was honestly like the coolest experience to just see them smile and like want to take their picture with me. And I was like, that was worth just being on the show in itself to see them get so excited about it.
0: You're here, here, and uh, rightfully so. So everybody listening, when you see those casting calls for season five, just do it. For the two of us, we lost, and we still enjoy the show. And you now have a winner who can say the same exact thing. So give it a run. You never know it'll happen.
1: Okay, so now we're going to take just a real quick preview of the upcoming Masters. So I'm going to start off with just giving you folks a little bit of the history of the tournament. We're in the 25th year of the Masters this year, and throughout its history, we've seen different formats and a variety of different winners, although several who have been multiple-time winners. And just like the big Masters, they get a nice little green jacket that they can wear around. And really the the tournament itself was kind of founded as the first major tournament of the USPMGA. The US Open was founded a year or two later. But the whole idea really around the Masters has been this marathon, tough putting event to really bring out, you know, who is the best mini golfer and not necessarily the best putter because the master's course definitely involve banks off of rocks or then bricks at the time. This year's format is 12 rounds over three courses. So there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. And that's really been the the guiding light of the tournament in and of itself is let's put some of the best putters, the best mini golfers in the world and see what they can do with these multiple challenges over the course of three days.
0: This is my first year, as I've mentioned earlier, attempting to play the Masters and just kind of want to give my thoughts as an outsider, because until really around the time that I competed on Holy Moly, my wife and I hadn't been doing much competitive mini golf. And I think when we'd seen the Masters, it honestly wasn't initially appealing because Myrtle Beach is home to like 20 plus mini golf courses. And there was really no way that we were going to go there and not play all of the courses and just compete. And so that's what I did in 2019. Just finished up Holy Moly earlier that year, had a chance to meet Pat and a number of other people that I was going to meet up with the Masters, but knew between my work schedule and a number of other things that I wouldn't get really much time to practice. And honestly, I didn't want my first trip to Myrtle Beach to be playing only three courses when I'm sort of a mini golf completist and wanted to play them all. And I felt fortunate That at that time, I really didn't go to compete because frankly, I don't think my game or my form were in a good place. And just even playing with all of you, including Pat and our group of friends that were competing, it was very clear people really dialed in and I was not. I think that really was an impetus for me and then add in the pandemic to work on my game. And now I'm really excited just to see what I can do. I don't have any expectations that I'm going to do phenomenal or even outside of the bottom 10. I'll be honestly like ecstatic if I somehow come outside of the bottom 10, given that their tournament typically has the same cast of characters and a lot of people whose average throughout the tournament is in the high, high 20s or low 30s, which for me is way off of my game even on some of the more forgiving courses, let alone doing that for 12 rounds consistently. So I'm walking into it with this as a new and fun experience. And I'm also really glad to be walking into it with us having another tournament on the side. But I do feel fortunate that I've played each of these three courses at Hawaiian Village, Hawaiian Rumble, and Aloha Mini Golf at least once, and I've seen some videos out there. So I feel like I'm not going 100% blind, but I think next week this time I'll know very well what's in front of me and all of the challenges that are going to be ahead to try to do
1: and repeat really good games over and over. Yeah. And I'll even say from an experienced player's perspective, I didn't play my first master until 2017, which was pretty late into how long I've been playing in the same year that I finished top 10 in the U S open. And it still kicked my butt the first time around, just from the intensity of what you have to do and what those courses are. So, um, you know, kudos to you to to giving it a shot kudos to anybody who gives it a shot i mean it is Mm -hmm. super fun no matter where you end up but i know we've we've all kind of got goals for us um i think i've actually finished the exact same spot three years in a row so i'd like to finish (laughs) a little higher and i'd like to say that potentially I have a shot to make the cut for the top 30. Um, and speaking of, so I definitely don't put myself as one of the favorites. I think there are a few people from the mini golf world who are always kind of up there to win um, you know, Rainy Statham's the, the current defending champion so you know always got to put someone who of that cal- mm-hmm. caliber up there. There's folks like Matt Male who won the U.S. Open this year and is a past Masters champion. Um, you certainly would put good odds on him. Danny McCaslin who's won it multiple. Multiple times. I always like seeing him. He was I think second last year or third. He was right in the running almost to the end. Olivia Samuel, who Prokopova most of you would probably know if you know Olivia at all she's playing I know they're already out on the course practicing <laughs> you know this almost two weeks ahead of time so um she's got a couple green jackets and then my I don't know if I really call him a dark horse because he's always kind of around the top five is Gary Hester and uh, he was I think came in second the year Joey Graybill won and so he's mm-hmm. always around there Gary's one of my favorite people on tour just super nice guy fun to be around and I'd love to see him kind of Close that out and get a master's for himself one year.
0: And you have to figure for those of you that have seen that Grantland video of the perfect 18, that Rick Baird was one of the people who has a perfect game of putt putt, as well as Greg Newport, who has a perfect game of putt putt. And both of those guys are going to be playing the master's, I believe, this year. And you always got to bet that they've got a pretty good chance at winning it, given that they're really good studies of the shots and have played it over and over. So those are and two Greg, that.
1: Are, Greg is a champ, past champion. He's won it once already.
0: And that's what I thought. I never want to say it's so hard th- to keep track of it. Uh, there's so many people that have come really close that are really great, and there's so many big tournaments. And if you follow the competitive world of mini golf, you'll see a million little tournaments pop up. And Greg, in my feed, I've seen him win a bunch. So it wouldn't surprise me. There is that competitive level where you're up a little bit above the rest of the pack that you just kind of went out. I I know that all too well in our own tournaments where
1: Sean's (laughs) been
0: kicking my butt.
1: Yeah, so in terms of us trying to cover this, we are going to try to do as much as we can via Facebook Live, potentially Instagram, both, maybe we'll throw some YouTube stuff up there at the end of the day, but certainly we're going to do Facebook Live at least daily from the competition. So um, we're going to try to do something, it may be midday, but certainly towards the end of the day. So if you're watching three to five p.m eastern time somewhere in there you know we'll try to throw some heads up um, and then certainly as we get to the final day um, I know we'll try to put some stuff on podcast if not there the putting penguin will cover some maybe a couple putts uh, mini golf news if you follow that on facebook there there, we try to get a lot of the streaming stuff for at least those final rounds um, because even though we're not playing in it it is awesome to see you know, those top 10 players finish out those last whatever amount of holes on rumble, because it's just the picture that you really ever want to see of competitive mini golf of the, the, the gallery there. And usually it's pretty tight towards the end. So some drama. So keep an eye on all that. And, you know, if you're got any suggestions of what you'd like to see us try to cover, drop us a note. And I'll wrap the show
0: with Big Thoughts Mini Golf. It's my first time traveling to Myrtle Beach to compete in the longest tournament I've ever played in. I've been working on Breaking Bad habits and practicing my putting, but I wanted to go the extra mile to meet the moment. Given it is the Masters, I plan on re-watching the incredible film, The Master, with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix, seasons one through three of the recent Netflix series, Master of None, and of course, all of the episodes of He-Man, Master of the Universe. It's important to learn from all the masters.
1: And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, but when ready.